This is the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast with Fur Neiman. If you're looking to generate wealth and passive income in the lucrative world of mobile home parks, you're in the right place. You'll discover solutions to the common legal and operational pitfalls and how to optimize parks to maximize income. Your host is in the trenches. He's a real estate attorney, financial analyst, and mobile home park investor and operator. Now, let's turn it over to Fern Neiman. Welcome back, Mobile Home Park Nation. Ferd Neiman here again today with another episode. Got a great episode today. Great guest for you. He's got an interesting story. He's tackled some kind of crazy mobile home parks right out of the gate. So I've been uh, blessed to be a part of some of it with him, but watch his journey. Really excited today. Please let me welcome my guest, Craig Napoliello. Craig, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm excited. I finally talked to you into doing this. It's been a while. I wanted to have you on. <laughs> um, you have an interesting story and your first transaction is one of the more complicated first transactions that people will, will tackle. So kudos to you for getting it done. So maybe tell us a little bit Thank more about, yeah. about how you got in this space, your background as to how you got an MHP, and then we'll talk specifically about some of your deals and, and your team and lessons learned, but go ahead. Tell us yeah. a little more. Yeah. Thank you. So, um, so I was, I basically started looking at, you know, I've always mentioned real estate for sort of my entire adult life, but I was, you know, interested in real estate sort of from a distance or, you know, in a casual way, I'd go to a, a new city and like always like check out, you know, Zillow or, you know, local real estate listings. Um, but I really started looking at real estate as, as a potential, you know, say business and treating it like a business in 2019. And I started with, with multifamily. So I basically, you know, started exploring that, dipped my toes in the water with a duplex, started building from there. And then when COVID hit, I, you know, my, my wife and I were, you know, basically were, were, you know, quarantining or we were, you know, basically, basically, you know, sort of off, you know, out of the rhythm of our everyday life, which, you know, allowed us sort of a lot more, you know, free time. I live in New York city and, you know, we just have a busy sort of life. I'm out a lot and that type of thing. So all of a sudden now we find ourselves sort of, you know, sequestered and, and, you know, not going out as much and just a lot more sort of time, you know, on our, on our hands. So I used some of that time to, you know, sort of digging more into real estate, seeing what was possible. And I started sort of going down the rabbit hole of mobile home parks and um, comparing and contrasting, which I think you sort of went down a similar path. And I think a lot of folks do, you know, comparing and contrasting the characteristics of MHP versus multifamily. And I, the, you know, the more I learned, sort of the more interested I became. So, so I ended up selling all my multifamilies and 1031 of those and, you know, deciding that I was going to, you know, pursue mobile home parks. And um, part of the thing through that process, which was, a, which was a, you know, maybe the most important piece of this is that I um, have a partner named Kevin. And like, so during COVID, my wife and I, again, were just, you know, sort of isolated, like many people were. Um, and so I told Kevin, who's my wife's cousin's husband, I'd met him at a wedding and he told me that he was interested in real estate. So I reached out to him and I said to him, Hey, you know, I, I don't know you that well. I know through the family, you're, you're a great guy and everyone loves you. And I just want to let you know that I, I'm not sure what's going to come of this, but I, I'm really sort of digging in and, you know, and learning about mobile home parks and I'm not sure how it's going to look and, and, and you know, sort of exactly what the path is, but generally when I, you know, sort of commit to something, I, I, I you know, something's going to happen here. I'm not sure what it's going to look like, but something's going to happen. You know, if you want to come along for the ride, like I don't know anything about mobile home parks. I'm just learning. I'm sort of, you know, it's at square one. 
if you want to sort of learn along with me and we can sort of spitball around, you know, what this might look like and sort of a strategy and pursuing deals and whatnot. And, um, and he was, you know, like was, 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 was up for it. So we spent a year before we closed on a single park in the parks that the first describing, we spent a year talking like every day, right. Talking every day, like, you know, bouncing ideas off each other, like sort of seeing just how we communicated, how we got along. And I see just tons of people, you know, um, because I think they, they, they recognize that they need other people besides themselves to work with they need partners to be successful in a business, but they just basically meet someone for coffee for 10 minutes. And they say, Oh, this is my partner because like we have like complementary skill sets, which I, I see that a lot. And I, I think it's, is, you know, dangerous because again, you know, relationships are challenging and in developing, you know, close personal business relationships, you know, especially when things are going well, Sure, I'm sure a lot of them work out, but you know, there's gonna be bumps in the road. Kevin and I were able to experience that because you know we talked so frequently and and um so we got to you know sort of work out kinks in our relationship and test drive our relationship before we were under contract on a park. So so again, so we spent this this sort of year period again, you know, talking to brokers, talking to people in the industry. I took a I took a mastermind, um, you know, sort of who can't have a course? I did Frank and Dave's, right? As I'm sort of, you know, literally sitting here, you know, by myself, my house, like, you know, in, in, in isolation, just like going through Frank and Dave's boot camp, um, things like that. And um, so anyway, over the course of this year, I basically got to speed on the mobile home park industry, you know, enough to be dangerous. Of course, I'm still a rookie very much so and learning, but um, <coughs> but I also established this rapport with Kevin that, that really is, you know, again, sort of the key piece in, in, in us, you know, being able to, make the leap right into, into the deep end so when when, when we were um we we're looking of course you know everyone has their own set of limiting beliefs we're sitting here thinking you know what let's get a, a 32 pad all 10 on home park and that type of thing and so then we were presented with a a portfolio a mom and pop portfolio of um i went and looked at the park it was the it was i hadn't traveled in like i don't know a year and i the only trip i took it wasn't my wife and I going away for our anniversary. It was literally me going and meeting this owner in North Carolina. So I went and met him and I went down there to see at the time was 140 pad park, which in my head, I was already frightened by, by the size of just this one park. So, because again, I, I'd never owned a single mobile home park. And in my head, I'm like, great, we'll get like a 30 pad park, all tenant owned homes, whatever. So I go to meet this guy and um, who I'm still very friendly with um, and uh, I'm very grateful for it. And I went to see this park. There was 148 pads. It was 120 park-owned homes. I mean, I was like driving through with this guy. It was like, it was like a city. And um, I was you know, basically freaked out in my head about like, how can we take this on? We have no experience and whatnot. So, so then, you know, getting to know this guy and, and sort of trying to understand where he was coming from, it turns out that he had even a lot more than that. So, so, so as we build our relationship, we find out that he wants to sell. He has 270 pads. He has uh, 70, uh, sorry, 80 apartments, an office building, 22 single family homes. It's basically a whole, a whole pile. Got, of stuff. I don't remember. He's got like, we got 10 mobile homes that are in the city on land. We got 10 double wides in, over here on land. We got, oh, yeah, that's right. we got a five right. unit park. We got a 37 right. unit park. There's an office building. Yeah. It comes with staff. The whole exactly. nine yards. So, so they were doing, you know, I, I use this term lightly. They, they were doing their own property management, but you know, again, there was a ton of deferred maintenance and, <clears throat> 
um, you know, just a sort of a, a different way that we would run our business. But either way, so, so now this is sort of this opportunity is presented to me. And, you know, again, something that I, that I would that I would say you know, to anyone that's you know, looking to buy their you know, first part to, you know, to basically to identify, identify like, you know, of, of course, there's going to be tons of things you don't know, but identifying, you know, identifying the things you don't understand that could really hurt you. Right. So, so in this example, this, this park, I, I thought to myself, like, you know, I was, I was, you know, scared of shit basically. So basically, so, so I said to myself though, if, if I think this is the right opportunity and this is a good value, I should want this to be as big as possible, right? Because any real estate investor will tell you that, that all their best deals in hindsight, they wish they were 10 times bigger, of course. Right. Sure. So I, I try to, I try to step, take a step back and, and evaluate this through the lens of like, is this, is this a good deal versus like, Oh gosh, this is so big. And you know, look, look basically look at the, look at the, um, the variables that were overwhelming to me instead of take a step back, take a deep breath and say, is this a good deal? And if I'm unsure if it's a good deal, are there people that I can lean on that can help me understand if it's a good deal or not? Right. So again, so as I, as I mentioned a moment ago, identifying some of the issues that really freaked me out. So legal and zoning was, was one of those. So we worked with FERD. So we basically reached out to FERD and, and um, retained um, FERD and his team services. So all the legal and zoning stuff and, and FERD can attest, it was, this was messy. And there was, there was, there was a lot of, a lot of hair, a lot, a lot of things that easy to misunderstand. So pretty much all of the legal and zoning stuff and that expertise, um, you know, we put on and FERD his team. So, um, so again, that's something that, you know, again, actually, if you listen to FERD's podcast, there are just, I mean, there's, you know, scores of, of episodes that are, you know, cautionary tales around legal and zoning, right? And what can go wrong if you don't properly cross your T's and dot your I's. So, so, you know, so I covered that with fur. I then thought to myself, you know, due diligence as, as many things as I've read, as many videos I've watched, you know, do I feel comfortable doing due diligence on 270 sites? And the answer is no. So, so we hired, um, you know, due diligence partners. And, um, and again, they, they made us and again, we all worked in tandem as a team. And um, so, so I was able to get, we were able to, Kevin and I were able to get comfortable with this deal because we, um, you know, we partnered with folks that were experts in they had domain expertise in areas that we did not feel comfortable in. And we knew that if we miscalculated could basically sink us. Right. So the reality now looking a year back, we've been in the deal, you know, yes, we, we've, we have, we had a thousand paper cuts and we're still standing. Right. So it's, it, so it's mitigating the risk that might put you out of business, which I felt that we did with, you know, hiring you and hiring, Due diligence partners, and it's it's one of those things. Again, this is my perspective has changed as I've gotten older on this. But you know, of course, when you when you think of the you know, first of all, the, the scope of the project that you did and the due diligence partners did is a was a was large and complicated, and messy. So of course, it's going to cost a lot of money, right? But I mean, that's that's something that perhaps ten years ago I would have shied away from. But I mean, it's a I didn't even hesitate in this, in this scenario because you know it's a it's now to me very much it's not even like it's not even a consideration to do it any other way right those are topics that i'm never going to be an expert on that it's not i mean i have to like really go you know law school and all, all the different years of experience you've had in these different parts of the industry right so so it was a an excellent investment and again when you think about that 
like the fact that I was able to get this deal over the goal line because of you and your team, right? Because of due diligence partners, because of the local attorney that we partnered with that I, that I, that I still use and like very much because of all of you getting us comfortable and getting over the goal line. Of course, you know, Kevin and I are going to reap the benefits for, you know, 10 plus years. No, great. I mean, yeah, you, you, you obviously put a good team together there. I mean, this deal just for the audience that doesn't know, I want to add, I mean, this was mom, pa on steroids. I mean, the reason you got this deal was because you were the only guy willing to take it all. Some people are like, I'll take the nice park. And you're like, I'll take the nice park and the average park and the little park and the bad park and the duplexes and the storage and the office. And oh, by the way, there's a hundred titles that you haven't seen in forever. I'll take the hunt. I'll figure out the hundred titles also. And, <laughs> you know, and you, and you, and your lender got along with it. Right. And you, it was, you know, that whole, that whole process. So, I mean, yeah. Tell I me, mean, tell me a little bit more about, I remember just the, 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 the seller had a, had staff even that came with the deal. And some of those staff were like, had two jobs, like in the County and working for the park, because that's what it took to try to clean up some of the paperwork and the, the bookkeeping and all that. I mean, how'd you navigate all that? And then, and you know, have you even got through all that yet? Or was there so many loose, loose ends that you're still having to go through them all? Yeah. So, so there are, so, so I guess to, to go to sort of the beginning of the story of like, how did we get through it at the beginning? You know, there, there's just some sort of things that, you know, basic things that you sort of hear on, um, on a lot of say successful journeys, right. Is it like, it's just, you know, sort of grit and hustle. I mean, listen, Kevin, you know, my partner in this is, you know, has a tremendous work ethic. He put in a, you know, a ton of hours. I mean, you know, also on top of that, right. Like, you know, we, like for describing, we had, we had a team in place there, right. That we inherited from the last owner. And like, and why did we choose to do that versus just being like, you know, Hey, like, this is not a great fit for our long-term vision. You know, those, those folks are, were, you know, I, I live in, you know, I live in Brooklyn, New York, right. The, the, these, all these parts are North Carolina, all the folks there, except for one person that basically, you know, left the first week, all those people are great people. You know, they're local people. These are local jobs. They, they, again, there's, you mentioned there was, there's a woman that worked with us, that, um, you know, that basically was like, had her, you know, had a, a relative like down at the DMV helping with the titles. But the thing is like, you know, we treated all of them extremely well and, you know, treat, you know, basically treated them like we've been working together for a long time and, you know, got to understand them, got to understand, you know, what it's like living there and working there in that County. Cause, cause the reality is that we're, we're the outsiders, right? right? Kevin and I are coming in, even I mean, Kevin lives in North Carolina, but he's in, he's in, in Durham, but like, you know, for us to come in and, you know, sort of, displace these folks that are you know, honestly all great folks um would have been a mistake right so so you know completely understand the dynamics of having your own team building your own team which i think we've done at the right pace you know all those folks were um you know who we all still the ones that don't work with us anymore we still keep in touch with and speak to are all great people we're all um we're all hugely you know valuable at, at the beginning right like helping us navigate like you know who, who do we go to the DMV, right? It's like, a, that's an important question when you're navigating a hundred, you know, lost titles, right? So, so things like that. Um, maybe some, we're at this point now, we're very friendly with like the sheriff's department, all these local folks, you know, at the, at the end of the day, like, you know, we are coming in to, 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 um, to their world, right? And we have to be respectful of that. So I think that was a huge piece in us being able to tie up all these loose ends is that we immediately, you know, ingratiate ourselves with all the lo the local folks and all the all those employees that we inherited helped us do that. 
No, that's good. I mean, I know that you mentioned before too, I mean, Kevin obviously is more boots on the ground with you being in New York and him down in North Carolina. How is that infusion into that market? How is that working now? I know we've talked about kind of the market dynamics right now and the competitiveness for deals. So, but you're still finding deals. Tell yeah. us about, tell us about that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that that is a, which, which I think is amazing because it, it gives us a huge advantage. I mean, like this, I, I wish I had sort of had some like, you know, sort of secret sauce. I mean, like the, the reality, I think that we've been successful locally because Kevin is, is, is just, is a great guy. You know what I mean? Honestly, I mean, he's, he's very, very likable. So like, what does that mean? That means that literally every single, every single, um, every single, um, um, person in the public offices there, right. That we deal with, that we all deal with as mobile home park owners, you know, the, the health department, the, the fire department, the, the police department, right. All these zoning, playing and zoning. Kevin has like, they all love, absolutely love Kevin. Right. That's a huge deal. What has come of that, by the way, from, from, from Kevin being a great guy and being well-liked like around the County, we've gotten a ton of referrals. So, so at this point now we're, we're basically, you know, when, once we close this, the deal that one we're contracting will be at 500 pads in a very, very close proximity. And again, one of the, like, we are not buying those deals when we, when we get an email from, you know, from Mark Simochap or Capstone, obviously nothing against that. They, those guys, um, you know, we speak to, and they obviously have a tremendous amount of market knowledge and they're obviously that's it. They're serving though. You're not, you're not buying those deals at a nine cap, right? You're yeah. buying. So how many individual transactions have you been able to close as referrals you know, in, in, a, in a, just in a year, even, um, well, you know, probably, probably five parks, um, yeah. just, say, just, just, on, just on referrals. So, so again, awesome. so this, five, five parks off market in one geographic yes. footprint that I didn't get to see. I didn't, yeah. I didn't get to bid against you. Right. Yeah. You guys did. you do, you know, you, you made an impact in one town. I've bought a couple of deals from referral and it's like, this is amazing. And one time wow. I was even a, a broker referral. He's like, Hey, just go to this guy. I had one where the city called me. Hey, we, yep. we got a trailer park here. You want to, you want to buy it? They wanted me to turn it into apartments, but I ended up buying as a mobile home park, but it's like, yeah, that was awesome. I didn't have to compete with the rest of the market. It, it's, it's honestly like, it, it, it's almost like, um, it's almost unbelievable. And you hear about, you hear about like this, you know, this unicorn of like a, like the, the, the true win-win scenarios. And, you know, now that we've, we've lived it, we've seen it, you know, we have at this point now, because again, at this point now, we're so sort of entrenched in this market and people know us and we've, you know, sort of built out our, our reputation, you know, in a very authentic way, literally from like Kevin, you know, going to people's houses, introducing himself, sending follow-up notes and gifts and whatnot. You know, at this point now, when we meet an owner, we say, we basically, you know, in, introduce ourselves and we say, and we, when we start talking about conducting business together, we say, you know, we have several other local owners that have sold to us in the last year. They would be happy to speak to you and attest to the fact of how easy we were to deal with. And it is a, you know, it is a, you know, again, it's super uncommon in this market because of the, you know, that have how many people that are chasing these assets is that we literally have, I mean, still now we're, we're by the, we're still in touch. All these owners that we bought from, we're still in touch with all of them. We're still friendly with all of them. And they are literally, I mean, like they, they will, they will literally reach out to Kevin again, the, the sort of the, the true win-win we were able to buy the parks with enough meat on the bone for us and to make the improvements that we want and to, you know, get the valuation that we want and, and all, all the things that us investors are looking for. But then on the flip side, you know, we literally have people still that like close. There, there's a, there's a woman 
where we in the in the county where we operate we closed her park in september this is not like a this is not a five pad park this is a 73 pad park and we bought this park from her and she has she's referred us to several people herself and she will you know reach out to kevin unsolicited you know via, via text and say you know hey I, I can't i can't like i can't um you know describe you know, what a burden that park was for me and how I can sort of live the life that I want now, enjoy my children and my grandchildren and, you know, basically thank you. Wow. Yeah. I, I so have it's, a little it's, it's, lady. it's a great feeling. I have a little, that, that is a great feeling. I have a little lady that I wish had the same attitude that we bought a park from and she was like 90 something and she was during, in escrow, she's like, well, in case you guys don't close, I'm still doing work. She was laying laminate flooring herself on her knees like three days before closing, spending all our cash, she had mobile homes on credit cards, which we didn't find out till post-closing that a couple of them had, quote, liens on them because of credit cards, where it you know, wasn't really a secured lien, but then she was being difficult because, you know, we were still had to get a couple titles from her and get that cleared up. And then she tried to, she sold them out underneath of us afterwards. And I was I'm like, we, we saved oh, your day. Like, yeah, you literally get to retire. <laughs> we give you a life-changing amount of money. You can take care of your kids. You got all this money. And here she was post-closing trespassing. She was going around telling people that, you know, we bought the park. We closed on a Friday. That weekend, she was going around to people saying, hey, you still owe me 5000 in terms. I didn't sell that this home to those guys. If you give me 3000 right now, I'll, I'll give you a, a quit claim deed right now. And we found out about it. We're like, Lady, we have a bill of sale. Some of them had titles, yeah. some of them had lost titles that we had rights to and your power of attorney that we could start working on on Monday. And she was like, yeah, but I had till the weekend to try to get a couple more bucks out of them. And I was just like, we saved, I, I thought we did it right. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Apparently we're not as smooth as you and Kevin. And we've had, we've had some good, good relationships with sellers for sure. And it's important. But yeah. this lady in particular, I'm like, we literally gave you a life-changing amount of money in your 90s. I mean, half a million bucks, you know, on a park that she was literally laying flooring on. Like we give you a half a million dollars and then you're going to stiff us. So it's, it, you're doing it right. That's for sure. If the lady's texting you after the fact, thanking you. So kudos yeah. to you guys. Yeah. And we're still, again, we basically now, now turn them into basically, you know, testimonials and, and um, you know, they, they, they've, they've, you know, her and others have, have basically offered up. Again, we say to people, Hey, we can put you in touch with other owners that would be happy to speak to you about their experience with us. You know, which is just goes a long way right um with, with, with folks and it, it's basically it is um it's something that like i would say for you know for a beginner right it's like you know how do you this is a very competitive space so you know how can you compete right i mean like again i'm not kevin and i aren't, aren't, aren't going to be able to compete with um with you know blackstone right i mean like on some 278 pad park that's being marketed and you know call for offers type of thing so you know how can we compete is that we you know we're in a market that that basically now we know that market, yeah, you know, I'd say better than most people or maybe anybody. And so, and so we are, we're doing, we're doing unscalable things to find these places. Right. So I completely understand that, like that there's, listen, we want to have scalability in our business as well, but Kevin does things as an example, when he's like driving to parks or parks, if he drives by a park, he pins it on his map and he will go back there in person. Right, he'll go look up the information. He'll go back there and then go knock on their door, introduce yeah. himself, and tell them about what we're doing, and you know, offer help, like you know, because we're you know, obviously you know neighbors and peers with them. So you know, so yes, you can't do that. I wouldn't suggest doing that ten hours a day, 
every day of the week. But like, but that, you know, a, a mix of that, I think can go a very, very long way. No, I agree. I mean, scalability is obviously huge for business in general and automation, yeah. but there's some yeah. things you can't effectively scale on it. Lots of people yeah. can send postcards. Lots yeah. of people can hire. I get robocalls. And it's from a client. And I'm like, he knows me, but, he, but it's not him doing it. His, his robocallers yeah. leave me auto voicemails almost every day. Yeah. And they don't even yeah. say which park, they don't even say which park they're looking for. I mean, they assume I'm a mom yeah. that owns one park. Like, hey, I drove through your park and I'd like to make you an offer, a real fair offer. And we can close cash and close fast, or we can help with your tax situation. Call us. I'm like, that doesn't work. Like, it doesn't work. It at least doesn't work, you know, that that effectively. So what you guys are doing, you know, while not yeah. scalable, is I think is is the right way to do it. Yeah, there's, there's certainly there's certainly some benefits. I mean, there, there's a there's a park that Kevin called me on the other day again, same thing. Like, you know, it's basically like a woman who sort of runs her operations. It's like, you know, it's her, you know, it's her like, you know, daughter's like high school friend and the guys, the maintenance guy at this park. And, you know, so, so pretty much like it was, you know, a game of telephone to find out like who runs this park. That's, that's, that's in a great MSA. It's 20 minutes from us. So Kevin physically went there and spoke to them and they said they've literally never spoken to anyone ever. Right. And this, this is like a, I want to say it's a 58 pad park with like a hundred eight on like a hundred acres. So, I mean, this is like a, you know, this is like a, a real asset. And they said they had never, ever spoken to anybody ever on the telephone or in person. So, so now, so now like, you know, who knows what comes in this park, but you know, we have a real, a real crack at it. Yeah, no, that's great. So that's obviously a good strategy for acquisition. Tell me, and you talked about acquisition, you talked about kind of local market and fitting in there and building rapport. What have you guys done that has been easier than you expected getting in the space? And, and what have you maybe done that's been harder than expected that you haven't, you didn't know right out of the gate or you haven't figured out yet that maybe we, our listeners can learn from. Yes. So, so I mean, I, I have, I mean, I could literally talk for, talk for, you know, 10 hours about like all the, you know, basically all the, you know, cautionary tales and you know, things we've learned the hard way. And I, so, so I would say this, and I, I want to focus on sort of the, the things that we've learned, you know, by, you know, by, by um, getting knocked down and getting back up is that, you know, this is not a, I mean, first of all, what I've learned in this year, Kevin and I, we both absolutely love this. We, we absolutely love this business and um, we're going to be doing this for, for a very, very long time, but this is not a, um, you know, it's not a passive, this is not a passive business. So, so I think some people probably, you know, read things. I've got, you know, 10 owned homes or sort of the, the lowest maintenance type of, you know, real estate, you know, all those things may be true, but I mean, this is not a, you know, people think of passive, like they're not doing anything. Um, and obviously I won't get into it, but, you know, Ferd was, I was asking Ferd before we got on the podcast, <laughs> Hey, you know, like what's your sort of most recent crazy tenant story. And I, I won't go into it. Oh, that's his story. But like my, my point being is like things do happen every single day. Houses burn down, you know, people get the cops called on. I mean, you know, things happen every single day. I mean, that's because, you know, in, in real estate where there's, you know, where there, there are dwellings, you know, humans live in there, humans make mistakes, humans do dumb shit. So, I mean, like that's, that, that's part of the, that's part of the business. Um, so I, I would say that if you're going into this thinking like, Hey, I'm going into this because this is a, like a piece of cake. Like you, you gotta, you, you're gonna have a, this be a big surprise for you because it's not easy for sure, right? It's not easy. It's, I think it's well worth it for us at least, right? If you like it, if you like real estate, if you like, you know, all the, 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 um, the fundamentals and the, um, the nuances of, of building a brand, building a community, you know, giving, you know, giving people like a great place to live, you know, 
that then been great, definitely worth pursuing. But it's not like, you know, it's not, it's not, you know, it's not the version of passive that a lot of people I think promote, right? There's, there, there's real work that goes into making this successful. Yes, if you wanna be a slumlord and not respond to your tenants ever, then, then I'm sure it's more passive. But if you wanna have a high quality, well-respected business, it takes a lot of work. And um, so, so we have, you know, learned that through, through trial and error and, you know, being in the business, understanding that, and we absolutely love it. So, you know, we're going to continue to grow and, 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 you know, can't wait to be in this business our, you know, 20 plus years. Um, some things that we've learned, and I, I think probably, you know, going into it, right. There's a lot of, you know, sort of preconceived notions, like, what does this mean? I'm going into the mobile home park business and, and I had owned apartments previously. So again, so I had, in my head, I was sort of, you know, drawing parallels and comparing that business to this one. So I would say this, I would say that um, park-owned homes, I actually love park-owned homes. And I, I think that the park-owned homes, especially with what we're seeing in the market now with all these inflationary trends touching pretty much every asset, I think that in general, park-owned homes are very undervalued. And I think that we've been able to, to extract a lot of, a lot of, um, a lot of value and equity from deals based on how, how people are, are pricing park-owned homes. However, like a, a park-owned home that is like beat to shit is a ton of work to fix. It's a ton of money. It's a ton of time. So I definitely, under, I definitely um, luckily, I, I sort of like, I, you know, overfunded this project just to basically, just because I'm a conservative person. But I, um, and so we had, you know, the, the, the liquidity to, to take care of it. But I certainly wasn't thinking, you know, per park-owned home, that when they are in bad shape and you know, you, you promote this, which I, you know, I, I'm sure I listened to the podcast that, or the podcast that went over this, Frank and Dave say this, but like, did we go through every single park going home and grade them and give an estimate to what they would cost? You know, we did not do that. Now we do that. Now we're basically running a contract in a park. Kevin went in every single park going home, him and our head of maintenance went every single park going home. Right. So, so again, park on homes, I think the net of them is they can be an excellent value and the people sort of underestimate their value. They're undervalued in general, at least the ones we've seen, because people don't want to deal with them. But if you get park on homes, a lot of deferred maintenance, it's way worse than an apartment, right? Because you have like, you know, like floors and roofs, and a, a lot of things that a lot of things you don't come across in a, you know, sort of a, you know, a beat up apartment. So that, that was the, that, that, that to me was the, was the, was the, the biggest one. Park on homes, yeah. Park on homes. I mean, it's, to me, it's a love-hate relationship. Obviously, it's nice to have the extra assets. So if it's free, you didn't factor it in your purchase price and the cap rate, or you paid paid minimal for it. Like nice, nice. I got a I got a home out of this. Yeah, and it's nice that you get top line revenue. What I don't like about them is what you said. Sometimes you give them they're just in, they're in rough shape. It's like, man, this is going to take me two months to renovate this, right, totally. and, and, and cost twenty thousand dollars, and then. And then you just keep unpeeling the onion. You know, I had one that was completely yeah. renovated and then turns out the people that renovated it, they didn't fix the outside. So in that first rain flashings busted, comes right down oh, the wall, God. the whole wall, new sheetrock is all rot. Then it's in yeah. the subfloor. Then we look, there's mold in the insulation. Then we're like, you know what? Now I can see that the pipes are broken under there because they didn't have heat tape. And then it's just like, man, one thing after the other, that's, that's one of the concerns I think with them, but there, you know, it's, it's park on homes is probably one of the least areas of consensus. Um, you know, you, everybody understands, everybody agrees that 
city water, city sewer is better than well and septic. Everybody yeah. agrees direct bill is better than having to manage the submarine. But some people are like, no, I love park on homes. It's only my model. Some people don't. I think where park on homes can work and where I think they're working for you guys is where you got numerous park on homes. If you've got one or two, it's like, it's not enough to pay for a maintenance guy. If you have 20, yeah. well, then you, you got a maintenance guy around anyway, not a big deal. We have a park in St. Louis. I only had to bring three homes in. So I didn't have much. I didn't have any park on homes. The most I was ever going to have was three. Didn't make sense for me to rent them. I just sold them. They were just yeah. sale only. Other places, if it comes with 10, well, I've already got 10. I've got to maintain those. I can hire a guy for $18 an hour to go fix stuff versus yeah. I only have one or two. I don't have a maintenance guy. I got to call a plumber for $150 an hour. And then it eats up my cash flow a lot. So I, I do feel yeah. like there's opportunities for scale on those. Um, but it, it does, I do think also it makes it harder to scale parks. But again, yeah, you're one geographic footprint, well, then it's like you're running a bigger city. Yeah. Well, well so something we're seeing that I wanted to mention that is like, you know, that is basically like, it's interesting. Like, obviously, like there's, you know, Frank and Dave talk about, um, uh, you know, mom and pop, you know, uh, monetary easing, right? Right. And, I, I think that that exists with park-owned homes as well, right? Because, you know, what's, it's just the same thing, right? You know, the, the, the rents have, have skyrocketed. You know, why is that? Because, you know, the inflationary trends in the economy that just basically, go, you know, goes on through the course of, of time, right? So, and they don't raise the rents in, in many cases, right? And that's where the value add comes in. For park-owned homes, we've experienced the same things in the sense of, you know, what's happened in the world in the past, you know, three years, right? Basically, like, you know, every, you know, the price of, the price of everything is skyrocketed, right? Park-owned homes, like that, that, that does not, um, park-owned homes are not excluded from that trend, right? I mean, listen, used cars, right? The price of used cars have gone up. So, so what, what we're seeing is that basically, I think that a lot of mom and pops and a lot of these deals we've done in the past, let's say six months, a lot of mom and pops in their head, they benchmark a 1995, you know, 16 by 70 at 10 grand, let's say we're, we're selling some of those now for, for 25 grand, 22 sure. grand, 23 grand. Right. So, so, so that's what, like, even, even beyond the, um, you know, the, 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 uh, the, the, the debate of like, do you want to, do you want to manage and run park owned homes? Even setting that aside, just basically the, the valuation of park owned homes is that we've, you know, we are finding, a way to extract value by selling them because again like the, the sort of the, the mom and pop mentality of what that's worth you know the world's changed you know pricing everything in the world has changed including park owned homes no that's that's a good point i think i mean and the one good thing about the park owned homes the older ones is a lot of the 80s and 90s models have more character than the newer homes they'll have an island in the kitchen or cabinets that hang down or special windows or French doors going into the master bath, things like that, that you just don't see in many of the new homes. So I've had people prefer the used homes over the new, as long as it's renovated nicely. So yeah, yeah. definitely you can, you can make those work. Um, and I get, I get it on all ends of the spectrum where I recently had an eviction of a tenant and he had his home that kind of like you described, like it was like a 95, 1676, three bed, two bath. I was actually in this home because he, it was the first day we were buying the park. We were walking the park. I'm like, Hey, we're going to sell some of these homes. If you guys want to buy your house. And he's like, great. And I said, well, we can, we got bank relationships. We can help you get financing. And he goes, no, no I'll pay cash. I'm like, I don't like loans. I'll pay cash. I was like, okay, great. And he goes, well, what do you want for it? Like, why well, haven't, we'll get back to you on that. We're going to roll out a pricing for all yeah. of them. He goes, well, this one's got a bunch of, it's got things wrong with it. And he's like, come on, come on inside. Let me show you. So he showed me. And it, it did have a lot of stuff wrong with it. 
um, you know, leaked here, central air didn't work, hole on the floor. We'll get this stuff fixed. And he goes, so what do you want? You want like 750,000? And I was just like, no, it'll be, with payments will be like, a lot of rooms like 250 in this market. Let it work. Payments will be like, no, less than that, like 605 or something. Because I don't want payments. I mean, like how much you want for cash? So I don't know, probably 15 or 20,000. He goes, what? I got 750 right now. I'll buy it. I was just like, okay, uh-huh. so you're yeah. my cash buyer. How do I tell you? Like, I'm, I'm like, I'm not going to sell you this home for a thousand dollars. That's a 1995. And yeah, he couldn't, he, he thought I was just the worst guy around. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I go, literally, this is worth 15 as is. If I fix it up, yeah, get a 20 year bank loan on under 50 year bank loan. I could probably sell it for 25, 28. Yeah. And that, that's exactly what we're seeing as far as like, you know, we're seeing like we're selling, you know, sort of like, you know, as is type of stuff for, you know, 15 to 20. Right. Yeah. And like, especially, especially when you get to like the, the, um, the, the 16 by 76 is three beds type of thing. Like the three beds for us are, are flying off the shelves. I mean, if you think about it, you know, in that same market, you know, these, these double wides on brick that were like, you know, $50,000 now fixed up there are 150. Right. So, I mean, like, so, so my, my point is like, it's a, it's something that we're just, you know, exploring, doing a lot of sort of testing is that, you know, don't underestimate the fact that like, you know, all of housing in America is skyrocketing in price, right? So that's still that, you know, that, 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 you know, a rising tide lifts all ships. So like, you know, don't, don't underestimate what you may get, right? Because you may have had a person that in that market was buying a $75,000 single family home that now is worth 150. They can't afford that. So now they can, maybe they're looking for a brand new, like we're getting some new, uh, some new Clayton's in that I think will be all in like 70 grand, let's say. Uh, my, my point being is that like, you know, again, everything is shifted. So just be mindful of that from a pricing perspective when you're, when you're selling off assets. I mean, every asset has, has you know, the, the price of inflated, right? So. Sure. No, good tip. Good stuff, Craig. What other, what other tips or tricks or other you know, lessons learned can you, can you share with us? Yeah. So um, I'm trying to think of any other, you know, sort of, um, you know, cautionary tales. I, I would say this, like, you know, sort of from the, from the beginning, which I, you know, emphasize this with, um, with Ferd and um, Ferd and his team and um, two diligence partners is that like, you know, you know, recognize, you know, as you, you know, post-closing and you know, same thing, like Ferd and I talked a million times after we closed um, and that was, you know, very, very helpful, but like, you know, just understand, understand the, the sort of the pillars of any business mobile home park or otherwise, you know, legal is one of them. Um, finance is definitely one of them, right? So something that I, that I, um, in hindsight would have done differently. And I'm, you know, sort of playing catch up now is that, that the equivalent of like, you know, of, of hiring a FERD or consulting with a FERD, I would have done that for our finance as well. So, so now I'm, I'm going through the process of like, you know, sort of like, um, of, of, of getting, getting a, a very professional elevated, sort of finance team in place because, you know, it's the rowdy is like, if you don't understand where every penny's going and coming, um, you know, you, you're just not going to understand the business. You're not going to optimize the business. So um, that is something that that's one area I didn't invest in day one that I regret. Um, so I, I would definitely say that, you know, I, I would also say like, you know, at this, at this segment of the market, right. Which is basically the most affordable form of housing is, um, there are so many inexpensive ways to differentiate yourself. So we're, we're vertically integrated. So we, we, we manage all of our own properties and, you know, just, uh, us just having, and it, it, it's, it's so amazing. 
starting a business in 2021 or 2022. There are so many tools, so many products, so many free resources, so many different ways to, to automate service, right? Um, and, you know, we're doing a lot of those things and experimenting with a lot of those things. There's so many inexpensive ways, as an example, right? Mobile home parks, you know, I, I, at least some of the ones that we've purchased, and I would assume for many of you out there, is that those tenants are accustomed to bad service, which means that people basically get back to them whenever the hell they want. They call about, you know, a leaky roof or a pothole or someone's dog is off their leash. You know, they, they probably have almost no expectations of, of people responding to them, right? So, so we, have, um, we have put in place systems to, you know, respond to every email, to, you know, we have, we have you know, to have a, a call center. So at minimum, there's a friendly person picking the telephone up that says, hey, Fur, thanks so much for calling. Um, you know, let, let, me, let me know what's going on and, you know, take notes on that and then distributing it to our team so that we can get educated on the issue and get back to them. Like things like that are, are very inexpensive, especially if you're talking about, for, for those of you out there that have, you know, 250, 500 pads or, or more, or, or looking to scale a business, you know, these are, these are all, all these, these sort of service-based automation things are inexpensive enough that someone with sort of any size portfolio can do it. And it makes your tenants feel special. We've gotten such great feedback um, you know, even if they, even, even if they disagree with our answer, um, right. they, they're just, they're happy that we are, you know, basically, you know, acting like we care in the form of responding to them, answering them. Right. No, I think that's important, especially if you don't have an onsite office, which a lot of parks, especially small parks, they just don't have an onsite office. Yeah. <laughs> so they want to call somebody and then, and they get mad. Like you, you know, I've had them on the call like three times in a row. It's like they're mad. Like, look, we, we can't answer every call immediately, but then we call yeah. back. Hopefully they're appreciative, but I know some people are like, we never even called before. And we've had problems where we taught, took over a park where there was like crime and stuff. And they're like, yeah, we never called. There was no point. We're like, what? Yeah. You know, because we looked at the police report. There's no police reports. Like the city doesn't even call, respond. Yeah. Uh, later yeah. we're like, there's a meth problem out here. And they're like, yeah, it has been for years. Like, why don't you call it in? Yeah. Nobody does yeah. anything. I'm like, okay, well, we're going to do something about it. Like, yeah. Really? really? <coughs> excuse me um, yeah um yeah and, and, and that, that's basically something like, like I, I think uh for use rent manager right mm -hmm. yes so yeah. so we're also rent manager and so like so rent manager has they have an affiliate they have a um you know some sort of you know a partnership or affiliation with um anaquin it's called so anaquin is a is a you know it's a company that um that that so, you know sort of coaches and works with remote workers that are basically it's all sort of tied into rent manager. So like again, very, for, for some very reasonable price, we have someone from Anaquin pick the phone up, uh, you know, twenty four seven, and when they you know receive that call, they, they, they take the information, they submit it into rent manager, right? So it's basically institutionalized the, the information, then they send an email out to the team, you know, sort of. Um, um, with you know, sort of with, with whatever information they receive in the phone call, they distribute that to the team. So again, very inexpensive, allows us to be super responsive. You know, at this point, now we tout this to folks, like knowing that like our competitors aren't doing any of this shit, right? I mean, like, you know, like no one's answering, like, like our, our, some of these owners used to not answer the phone, period. All of a sudden now we're saying, hey, we have 24 seven 
we have 24 seven call service, right? I mean, again, are, are we basically, are we going to, 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 to fix their loose door on at midnight? Of course not, but at least someone's you know answering them. They feel heard. They feel responded to, right? So we've got, um, you know, we've got a great um, sort of response there. You know, also something I'd say you mentioned like the sort of the bad tenants and the, and the meth problem is that we have, you know, uh, factor into your pricing, kicking out the wrong people, right? We, we, we evicted, I mean, it's, I'll, I'll never, ever buy any assets in a state that's not landlord friendly. And, you know, and I, I mean this because not because I, not because we ever, um, that we ever take advantage of those rights, but because like, you know, we have literally, and again, we've, again, we, we've made some sure tents for life because, you know, so we have, you know, we, we don't even have 500 pads yet. So we have 450 pads. I bet we've evicted a hundred people, wow. you know, so, 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 so in a year. So, so what does that mean? That's, that isn't, that, that, that's time consuming. That's expensive, right? There, there's, there's a lot of things. A, a lot of people would look at that as like, as like, oh, that's, that's a, that's a, a line and that's a cost. Right. But like we, we've completely changed the face of these neighborhoods. I mean, like there's, you know, so families are much safer. So we, we get comments from the police department, all the local, yeah. you know, all the sort of local authorities, all this type of stuff. And I mean, listen, that, that's, it's a, I mean, it's a, it's a lot of work again, not necessarily by me, but like by Kevin and, and the team, there's a ton of work that goes into that. Just a, a ton of turns, a ton of money, but like we basically now taking back these communities that are, I mean, you know, 100, 148 pad park. Like we all, we all sort of know what that means in a market like this. I mean, yeah. that, that's a real, that's an institutional asset that was basically left for dead. You know, there, 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 there was all, there, there, there were people in there that again, no one would feel safe living next to. Right. And right. we didn't even like, you know, you know, we didn't even hesitate. You know, we, we, we kicked a lot of people out. They were paying rent on time every single month. You know, who knows how they're getting that money. But like my point is like they, they were clearly the wrong people for the community and we evicted them. So, so again, I, that, that's another thing I would say is that like, it was, it was, was it painful to basically know that we were entering into a lot of situations that we did not have to. Um, and that they were going to cost us a lot of money and a lot of time, a lot of effort. That was a, you know, a little bit painful. I, I don't regret a single one of them because again, like, you know, that that's us again, investing in the community, everyone else is still there knows that we mean business. They, they know that we care. They know we're doing shit for them, for their families. You know, people like reach out to them and thank us. Like, you know, we've had people like leave, you know, leave, you know, reviews like saying like these guys like come in and like, you know, I feel safe again and things like that, which, which obviously it feels great. I mean, that, that, that's, I think sort of the best part of the business is that you recognize like, I mean, everyone, it doesn't matter if you live in a mobile home or you live in a $10 million penthouse everyone wants the same shit, right? Everyone wants to, you know, they want their families to be safe. They want to be clean. They want to be quiet. Right. So, so just because this is a different price point than, you know, you know, a class apartments and, you know, like upscale single family homes or whatnot, everyone, they all want the same things that, 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 you know, that you or I want. Good points. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a good point. I have one quick caveat to that too. I, I just today drafted a language for a, a sign we're posting in some of our parks about evictions because it says basically if you're evicted from any residence or any occupancy, you're not allowed to move into the other home. And if you move into the other home, that person's gonna be evicted because we've had a problem where we got four or five bad apples and then they yeah. now there's like 13 adults living in one home because they just get evicted and they go live with the other guy. Then yeah. that guy gets evicted, they go to the other guy and they're just like coming out of the walls. But it's like we gotta <laughs> figure out 
how many of these people were running together and we got to get rid of all of them before we, cause we can't, not even just in the neighborhood, people come, people will come into the town and be like, Oh, that guy lives here. We've heard about him in the whole city. Well, here about this guy. So like, it's, it's bringing down the whole neighborhood. We got to, yeah. so you got to just transform it, even if they're paying rent. And that's, what's hard is when they're paying rent or when they, they fall behind four or five, six months and you're waiting on this, they're filing extensions. They're asking for jury trials, all this crap. Then they get government aid and it's like, no, their money's no good here. Yeah. Government aid exactly. can't help you. You need to, yeah. you need to go. You've got 19 bicycles. You're doing drugs. You're carrying a gun in one hand a baby in another smoking pot like you need to just leave this community yeah so. yeah. yeah and it's it, it, the thing is like again this is like a you know it is i think that one of the great things about this industry is that you know while there's still so many assets that are owned by moms and pops is that it is it again it's very easy to differentiate yourself right like all, everything you're describing like you know a lot of people just will not turn away from that guaranteed rent and you know, maybe someone's you know has the money because they're dealing drugs but they, they will not turn away from that rent um and and sort of and, and making that decision is it just is a major differentiator everyone else appreciates that everyone understands that and um but again th- these are like sort of like you know the, the bar is low so there there's a tremendous opportunity for you know for especially folks considering going into this um there's a tremendous opportunity to you know to stand out from the crowd and to have people want to live with you. I mean, at this point now, we're just we're just now really feeling the impacts of, of, of referrals. And why is that? It's like, you know, people, I mean, I, I see I see every single email that comes into our company. And so many of us, so many of them are people looking for place to rent um, or to purchase or you know, RT or whatever it is. And it's from like, you know, they heard from it from a friend that lives in the community. So referrals, man, referrals are easiest business. It's their easiest sale, right? Yeah, exactly. But it's, again, it takes, but I mean, those are only, so, you know, we've been this for a year. So that we only started really feeling that, let's say in the last, you know, in the last three to six months, right? So it, it took some, it took some time. Of course, we were skeptical of us for some time as they should be. Um, but I think now we're finally starting to get through and they're starting to believe in us. Good stuff, Craig. Well, lots of lessons. I appreciate you sharing your story. It's, it's a good one. And it's nice to see you and Kevin being successful down there and changing these communities. I know you love it. You're always a cheerful guy. It's, it's <laughs> loving the space, loving the game, loving being part of it. So appreciate it. Where can people reach out to you after this? If they want to reach you. Sure. Um, on my, uh, my email is Craig C R A I G at 40 Oaks fours, which is four zero O A K S.com. So Craig at 40 Oaks.com. All right. Thanks, Craig. Appreciate it. Great. Thanks so much, Bert. You got it. You've been listening to the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast with Ferd Neiman. Ready to learn more? Go to www.themobilehomelawyer.com for free resources and materials to help you succeed. If you love the podcast, go to Apple Podcasts, give us your review, and subscribe today. Thank you for listening. Neither the Supreme Court of Missouri nor the Missouri Bar reviews nor approves certifying organizations or specialist designations. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements.